This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's open our Bibles together today to uh, Exodus chapter 12. If you can find that opening in your Bible, the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. I want to welcome all of you that are watching online. We're delighted you can be with us as well. Hope you have a Bible there. Maybe a cup of coffee. These people don't get coffee because they're in the auditorium, but you can have coffee. So anyway, uh, we're delighted you can be with us. Praise God. We hope that you'll just really hunker down and listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to the church today. Because guess what? He has a voice, and He is talking. And we need to obey. We need to learn. We need to listen. And praise God. Thank God for the knowledge of God. Because the Bible wants us to be filled with the knowledge of His will. You know, a lot of times, you know, you get in certain denominational preferences, and they get a little, they get a little cloudy about God's will, you know, and, are, and, and not unsure, maybe it's a better way of putting it. But thank God the Bible makes it clear that God has made known to us His will, and He wants you to be filled with the knowledge of God. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? So, you know, whenever somebody gets all mysterious about, well, you never know about the will of God, you can say, well, we have the Bible. I said, we've got the Bible. And the Bible is God speaking to us. If we would just listen, wouldn't life be so much better? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Praise God. If we just listen to what it is that he has to say. Now, the, <clears throat> the verse of Scripture that I want to share with you right now has nothing to do with what we're talking about later. This, again, is the appetizer. And it was quickened to me while we were singing. And the reason being is, is because, you know, God stands ready to do amazing things in our lives, not off in the distant future or the by and the by, or when we get to heaven, but He likes to do things right now. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. But sometimes in our lives, you know, we, we have a tendency to want to relegate things to a, another period in our life. Someday, sometime, you know, that type of thing. But I'm telling you what, I believe here today that God wants to do something right now. Those songs that we were singing, this is what quickened me, is the songs that we were ta- or singing today, uh, they, they, they communicate that very thing, that God wants to do something in your life today. Everybody say today. today. Everybody say today. today. Things are going to change for me. You know, there's got to be a time when it happens, it might as well be right now. Come on now. You know, well, I'm just waiting on God. Well, a lot of times he's waiting on us. Amen. He's just, he's just wanting us to say yes. You know, and this is a story, and we'll get back to this, this particular group of people, but it was uh, in Israel's history and them being delivered from the hand of the Egyptians. They'd been slaves for 400 years and dominated under the thumb and hand of Egypt, and God decided enough was enough, and he wanted to do something today. Hallelujah. Notice with me, if you will, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month, everybody say this month, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. 
So in other words, he is saying today is a defining moment. We're starting all over. We're going to have a new calendar and things are going to be different. Everybody say things are going to be different. You know, things can be different for you if you want them to be. Hallelujah. But we sometimes have to adjust our thinking a little bit, maybe even our attitude to say, wait a minute, you know, praise God, I've been waiting long enough. Some of you need some breakthrough. And I tell you what, you might as well have it today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not when, you know, the political arena changes, you know, and the Republicans are in charge or whatever. No, today, the Bible says again, is the day of salvation. Salvation, by definition, is not just you being born of the Spirit of God and becoming a child of God. Salvation means deliverance. Hallelujah. Salvation means to be set free. Hallelujah. And God wants you to be free. So you just, you know, buckle up your bootstraps, baby. We're going to go for it today. Hallelujah. And we're going to let today be a new day for every one of us, a new start, a new beginning, just like God was speaking to these people. Now, here's the thing about this story. You know, he said, this is going to be a new day, new month. We're starting all over again for you. And they had to walk this thing out. But before it was over with, guess what? They got delivered. And so God instituted a strategy and a plan in order to bring all of this to pass. And the nation of Israel became free people. Hallelujah. And there were a lot of other things that God wanted to do in their life, but they were restricted or limited because of their unbelief. Everybody say, I'm not an unbeliever. Everybody say, I am a believer. I tell you what, praise God, if you believe the word of God, he'll change your life in a heartbeat. Hallelujah. Oh, that we might believe the word of God. Different times, you know, in the history of Israel, and you know, their leaders and and different ones would stand up. One of the kings said, hey, believe in the Lord your God and you will prosper. Believe also in his prophets and you will be established. But Isaiah also then said, if you will not believe, he said, you will be destroyed. Unbelief is an enemy. Are you listening to me? And, and what I mean by unbelief is I'm, talking, I'm not talking about, wow, Lord, is that something really you can do? I mean, can you really do that? I'm not talking about doubt. I'm talking about unbelief. Unbelief is unpersuadableness. Are you with me? Unpersuadableness. Thomas is a perfect example of that. Because all of the disciples and different ones, the the ladies, first of all, you know, said that that Jesus had been resurrected, that he was alive. And, you know, remember the story, you know, John, Peter, they run to to the sepulcher. They can't find him. He's gone, you know, all these different kinds of things. Well, then he appears to about 10 of them. Thomas wasn't there. And so they, they turned to Thomas. They said, hey, we've seen the Lord. And he said, yeah, right. You know, Christians are like that a lot. Hey, God wants to do great things in your life. And they go, yeah, right. You know, thanks for, you know, such, such rigor, you know. And that's what preachers are up against, baby. It's like trying to light a fire with wet wood. And guess what? That can take a while. And sometimes all it does is smolder and smoke. Are you with me? You're not that people. We're talking about somebody else that is not even here today. Are you listening to me? 
But the truth of the matter is, man, God wants to do some amazing things in your life. Well, of course, Thomas, he just said, well, listen, I don't care what you say. I, unless I can see him and look at his hands and look at his side, listen, I will not believe. Now, you know, there are a lot of folk, that's the way they get. Well, you know, God said this, the preacher says that, and all this and that and the other, and unless I can see something, I'm not going to believe. Well, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, so when God makes promise to you and tells you that you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you, huh? You better believe it. Because you, you can go through your whole life not even knowing, dear Lord Jesus, I had, I had an inheritance. I had position. I had status. I had place. I was in his family, and I didn't even take advantage of it. You don't want to do that. Everybody say, I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Praise God. You want to find out what the Bible has to say and start believing it. When he says you're more than a conqueror, I don't care what's going on in your life. You're still more than a conqueror. Are you listening to me? Huh? Praise God. I mean, the Bible makes it clear that he has made us overcomers. Now, again, I'm not trying to minimize whatever challenges that we might be facing in life, our own current, you know, uh, uh, situation that we may be dealing with or the troubles that we've experienced. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing that, but thank God we don't have to stay there. You know, the, there were four lepers in the Old Testament, and, and when you became leprous, they, they cast you out. You were an outcast. You weren't you no longer a part of community or any socialization because of your disease. And they were outside the city and everybody was starving because of the disobedience of the people. How many of you know plagues and famines and all of this is because of disobedience? It's because of sin. You want to see what's going on in the world today? It's because of sin. You know, I was praying just yesterday and I was saying, Lord, you know, there's all this stuff going on, man. Surely there is a remedy. And immediately up out of my spirit came repentance. You want to change what's going on in the world today? People need to repent. What's that mean? That means you turn from your wickedness and you start to pursue the will of God. We've got all kinds of immorality, all kinds of greed, all kinds of corruption, you know, and it's all coming out of the heart of men. And if people don't repent, there is always a consequence to the sin. Now, thank God we're part of the family of God. We're his children. The Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven. So thank God we can be, for lack of a better way of saying it, insulated. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, we can be insulated. You say, well, prove that to me. Well, again, if we went on and read the rest of this story, there were all kinds of plagues that happened in Egypt, but the children of God, the nation of Israel, suffered none of them. They were insulated from what it was as far as pronouncement and judgment was concerned. Well, you know, judgment's coming on the earth. We're coming to the, the end or the last days. Jesus is coming again. But thank God, you know, he didn't just say, well, you know, church, uh, just suck it up. It's going to get a little rough here, and uh, you're on your own. Hope you make it okay. 
That's not at all what God said. He said, fear not, see that you be not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but I'll take care of you. I'll see to it that you are cared for and that your needs are met and that you will be blessed. I like that. But here's the thing. If you don't believe God and what he said he would do, you're going to be on the outs. You, you know what I mean by that. You'll respond in an unbelieving kind of way. Well, you know, eight days later, Jesus walked through the wall. And all ten, well, 11 of them now, Pete, uh, uh, Thomas is there. And he walked right to him and said, Thomas, behold my hands and thrust your fist into my side and be not, what's the word? Faithless, but believing. And then he went on to basically reprimand him. He says, because you've seen, you believe. But blessed, everybody say, I'm blessed. Blessed are the ones who believe even though they haven't seen. Listen, I'm telling you, I want to declare to you this morning that the living word of God is absolutely true. That every word that you read in it, glory to God, is the truth. And the Bible says the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. But you've got to believe it. A lot of folk read the Bible, but they don't believe it. A lot of folk can quote the Bible, but they don't believe it. Well, you say, well, what do you mean believe? I mean, praise God, you put it into practice. You start doing the Word of God. Amen? You know, I told you my story. Uh, somebody gave me a hard time because I, uh, uh, I took up the offering last week, and it, was, uh, it took me 40 minutes. Well, I said, well, I'm a pastor. I can do whatever I want. But you know, you know, when you read something in the Bible about how we are to live, what it is that we're supposed to do, and in this case, I was talking about tithing, you know, um, the blessing comes when we obey. People say, well, you know, you know God, uh, fix all of this and then I will. No, you won't. You knothead. If you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it. Oh, when I get more, I will. No, you won't. Because you'll have more and you'll say, eh, okay, I got more. Hallelujah. The devil will come along and say, you know, if you give all that money to the church, think about what you could do with that. Lots of folks have been tripped up on that deal. Are you listening to me? So you just got to become a doer of the word. And bear in mind, God is absolutely uninterested in your money. What he wants is you. He said, you can't, you can't serve two masters because you'll love the one, hold to the other, or else you'll, you know, despise the one and, and, and give to the other one. And then he just said, you can't serve God in money. So the whole idea behind that is not because God's trying to make it hard on you. He just wants you, praise God, to let him have your heart. And he said, if you'll do this, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll command my blessing upon your storehouses. I'll make you the head, not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. And praise God, every curse that would try to come on you, I'll take care of and make sure it never happens. That's the God we serve. So I don't know. It's a good deal. Last time I checked. But if you listen to the devil, he'll see to it that you never enter into those kinds of things where your life is concerned. 
people say, well, you know, that whole tithing business, that's, that's Old Testament. Well, I don't have time to get into it, but listen, friend, you need to read a little bit more of your Bible. Because there's a whole lot of tithing going on long before the law ever even showed up. But again, I don't have time. No, when we obey God, I tell you, when we obey God, you know, when the Bible says that we're to love one another as Christ loved the church, that's what it means. And a lot of times, loving other people means laying down your life, being sacrificial. In other words, forbearing people's faults and failures and messed upness, and because we all have it. You don't have to go very far. You don't have to get very close to somebody and you go, ooh, they got issues. But then so do you. Okay. Um, anyway, and so he, he commands us. He doesn't ask you. He doesn't suggest. He doesn't even recommend. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. You want to win in life? Become a lover. Huh? Yeah, amen. You know, the Bible tells us that as much as rests within us to live peaceably with all men. Now, there are a lot of folk, you know, they're out there and they got a bucket full of bitterness in their gut. And they're just letting everybody know about it. And they're just spewing this stuff out all over the place. Negatron is their nickname. Huh? And, and, and all they have is this bleh. You know, and sometimes that can really be hard to deal with. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, as much as rests within you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, you don't have to agree, agree with the whole mess, you know, and maybe you don't want to spend quite so much time with them. You know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but it, life is not all about you. It's not. It's a heavy revy, but it's not all about you. It is about him, what he asks us to do, and really in the, in the context of things, it's about blessing people around you, blessing others, blessing your wife, blessing your husband, blessing your children. Hallelujah. That's where the grace of God comes into our life and helps us to do the things that God wants us to do. You know, a lot of you, uh-oh, here we go. We are going off in the land here. Uh, da, da, da. Parents, sometimes you got stuff going on in your lives. You got kids you're trying to raise. And especially when they get into their adolescent ages, you know, as a teenager or whatever, uh, there seems to be this disconnect, this disparity because they're moving into a different dimension of their lives, and you're still trying to, you know, move this thing down the road in the, in the direction that you want it to. But the reality is that sometimes, you know, people say, you know, they'll say, I don't even know how to talk to them. I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to deal with this. Well, you know, <clears throat> it's unfortunate because what happens or what comes of that is nothing. And the reality is, is that in that moment, they need you more now than ever. So parents, I'm going to suggest that you walk into the room and you set yourself down and you begin to have a conversation. I don't know what I'm going to say. Just go. Get in the room. 
Some of our greatest conversations with our kids was at one at two o'clock in the morning in a dark bedroom, them sitting on the floor at the foot of our bed, dealing with life, dealing with stuff. Now, I'm not suggesting you got to do it at that time, but you just do it whenever you can. Go in the room and let God help you work through it. Now, a lot of folks will say, well, I ain't got time for that. Dude, there isn't anything more precious than your kid. And if you don't have time for them, well, it's a good thing I'm a Christian. You brought them in this world. Take care of them. Speak into their lives. Love them as Christ. You know, dude, they're just trying to figure out their lives. They don't know who they are. They don't know, you know, necessarily. Well, they think they do, but you know what I'm saying. They need you desperately. So again, you may not feel like you're equipped or armed or whatever, but I tell you, if you'll pray and say, God, you got to help me and go in that room, God can fill your mouth. And I tell you what, some amazing things can happen. Are you listening to me? That's all free. Won't cost you a dime. God's got great things in store for us. Did you hear me? You know, as a church family and as individual families and as people, God has got some incredible things in store for us. Oh, I tell you, praise God. We have no idea. Why don't you turn with me back to the New Testament now, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians, the third chapter. Y'all glad you came today? Ephesians, the third chapter, and let's look at this verse of Scripture here together. This is really what I want to talk to you about. At least, I think this is what we're going to get to do, you know. You know, sometimes I say, Lord, come on, man. I mean, you know, I worked, I prepared, you know. Let me tell them a little bit of what I come up with, you know. But what's more important is what he's got to say, right? Come on now. Is that right? Can I, can, can I get an amen out of everyone? One, two, three. Amen. Wow. Didn't know you were all here. Amen. Glory to God. So look at this verse of Scripture with me. How many of you believe the Bible? Well, we're going to read the Bible, and the Bible is going to say something to you this morning. Notice what it says here in verse 20. It says, Now unto him who is able, everybody say he's able. able. Yeah, unto him that is able, now listen, to do. Now, it would be one thing if he just said he's able to do abundantly above all we ask or think, but that's not what it says. You know, the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God and his inspiration, says that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, everybody say above. above. Yeah, above all that you can even ask or think. Wow. Huh? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, according to the power According to the power, I said according to the power, that's where? In you. In you. How many born-again believers do we have here today? Can I see your hand? So there's something in you, and that power is what God has the ability to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or think through the power that's in you. And then he goes on to say, and finally the 20th or 21st verse, to him be glory in the church. See, when you get a hold of what it is that God is able to do, 
and you begin to believe what it is that he has said, your life changes. It becomes transformational. All of a sudden, you're living a different way of life. I found a new way of living. Hallelujah. A new life divine. Love, joy, health, peace. Jesus made them mine. Hallelujah. Those are the things that that God wants to deposit and impart in our lives so that the church can bring glory to him. Read the verse of Scripture again, 21. To him be glory where? In the church. See, when the church is defeated, when the church is beaten up and, and, and bowed down, that doesn't give God glory. But I tell you what, when she rises up, I'm telling you when the church and its members stand for who it is that he is, then God gets the glory. This is what God has done in my life. And you can testify to his amazing grace. Isn't that cool? So he again says, Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. As believers, you know, I don't know if you figured this out or not, but we serve a limitless, all-powerful, living God. Huh? There are a lot of people that are going around the world, they don't even believe in God. I was just talking to one of the church members, and he'd been trying to reach this guy with the gospel and different occasions that he had talked to him and stuff. And, and you know, he'd sit there, politely listen. You know, a lot of people are nice. Some people aren't, but a lot of people are nice. And he listened to him tell, him tell the story about Jesus and what it is he came to do. And, you know, and, and then finally when it was all done, uh, the guy just finally says, well, you know, that's good, but I don't believe that. Well, that's a bummer because the guy died. Are you listening to me? Now, we don't know whatever ended up happening, but on numerous occasions, that was his response. Well, I don't believe that. There are a lot of people that don't believe. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. You don't have to look very far, and you can see the handiwork of our Creator everywhere. Every morning you get up, every night when you go to bed, I'm telling you, God is in our midst. Are you listening to me? And so in this scripture that we just got done reading, we see that we serve this limitless, all-powerful God. And because of the new birth, because you've been born again, you raised your hands earlier, right? Because you've been saved, he has placed, I I guess I could say at least a part of himself, or actually himself, he's placed himself in you that enables you. Everybody say, I'm able. I say, say, I am able. You are able. Now the devil will tell you, no, you ain't able. You know, you screwed up over here, you're a failure here, you messed this up, you did that, and he'll beat you up, beat you bloody, stomp all over you and tell you you're no good. But thank God we are good in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, it's to be regretted of the mistakes that we make and the things that we do, but thank God there's mercy and there is forgiveness with God. Today can be a new day, my friend. I'm telling you, whatever it is that was once plaguing you, it can be in the rearview mirror if you'll believe him. Because he has put himself in us 
and enables us to live a successful and an overcoming Christian life. You know, when I got saved, dude, that's the thing that drew me to Jesus. I mean, I, was, I, I, I surrendered my heart to him unconditionally. God, I need you. I knew I was a sinner. I repented and asked him to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. So whatever the conditions were to be a Christian, I was in. But then somebody started teaching me the Bible, and I started to listen to what the New Testament had to say, and that, praise God, he has made us more than a conqueror. It talked about overcoming. It talked about having life and life more abundant. It talked about all these different kinds of things. I said, I ain't never seen this before. I didn't know that this is what Jesus came to give me. Hallelujah! You know, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I began to realize that I was living far below my privileges in Christ Jesus. And I decided, you know what, praise God, we're going to move on up. And we're going to start believing what the Bible has to say. Because after all, we read he's able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. More than you can imagine, dear uh, saint. I'm telling you what, it's good. Praise God. More than conquerors. I want to read this out of the Amplified Bible, this 20th verse. <clears throat> it says, now, un, uh, now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us. Everybody say within us. Within yeah. He is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. I mean, who comes up with that word? That's cool. He's able to do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely, listen, beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Listen, friend, you're a part of that family. You're part of that family. And I tell you what, praise God, it starts, it's time to start doing some dreaming again. Huh? He said he would give you the desires of your heart. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. God's not stingy. Huh? You give him his heart, or you give him your heart, and I guarantee you, praise God, he'll raise you up. I said he'll raise you up. I said he'll raise you up to a place beyond what you can even imagine or think. You know, when Peter was writing, he made this statement in 2 Peter chapter 1. He said, according as his divine power has given unto us all things, some translations say everything that we need, which pertains to life and godliness. According to his divine power, he has given you everything. Everybody say, I got it all. Yeah, if you're a believer, you're a child of God, you have it all. Now, the devil's been telling you, no, you don't. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the other. How about the way you feel? I'm telling you, you don't have it all because if you had it all, then you wouldn't feel the way you feel. And so he lies to you. You got to stop being dictated to by the way you feel. Like I said, you know, it's not all about you. People, when it's all about them, you know, they got, they got themselves on their hands. Oh, they feel this, they feel that. I'm slighted, I'm this, I'm that. No, dude, you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. And I tell you what, he stood you on a solid rock so that you could stand on your feet and be the person that God wants you to be. Are you listening to me? That's the God that we serve. But you've got to start believing that. 
You start, you got to start thinking that way. Well, not everybody can do that. Why not? Whosoever is what the Bible says. You know, everyone. Everyone means you're the one. It might as well be you. But again, if you want to park by your failings or some kind of, you know, pity party or something like that, then, then that's where you live. But that's not where you want to live. Any of you want to live there? Okay, then praise God, we got to do something different. we got to get up and get to moving. You know, and, and I told you about them four lepers. I left them a long time ago. But they said, why do we say, sit here until we die? Let's go into the city. I mean, if they, if they kill us, we're going to die anyway, so what difference does it make? Let's go see if we can find some food. Well, they went in there, man, praise God, and they found all kinds of provision. And then they, you know, got convicted and said, you know, we ought, probably ought to tell everybody else about this. And so pretty soon, you know, everybody came into the city and they had everything that they needed. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Praise God. Everybody say it together. I have everything I need. See, as a child of God, you're only limited by what you can believe. Huh? You're only limited by what you can believe. So I would suggest to you, praise God, that you don't hang out with people that are full of doubt and unbelief. Okay, now sometimes you can't help it, you know what I'm saying? But you don't have to live with them. Right? Yeah, you can find someplace else to land. You know, the thing of it is, I'll give you these examples, but the truth of the matter is, you know, you don't have to live, child of God. You do not have to live under the tyranny and the oppression of past mistakes and failures. Today is a new day. Today is the day he's made, praise God. And it's not only that, but I mean, God is the God of a second chance. Well, actually, he's the God of the third, fourth, or fifth, whatever you need. Because, you know, we, 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 we screw up. You know? you know, if you're a teenager or even an older person, you don't have to be bullied. You know, we say, well, yeah. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I got bullied a couple different times. You know, one time uh, I was with a group of, guys, and I don't know what we were doing, but there was something that they wanted to do, and I didn't want to do it, because somehow or another I knew maybe it wasn't right or whatever the case might be, and so they started mocking me and teasing me, and they said, and I don't know what the, I don't know where they came up with this, and they go, well, you're just an independent Fred, (laughs) and then they came up with some little jingle, he's an independent Fred, you know, we're walking along, I don't know where we're going or what we're doing or whatever, you know, but I tell you what, they were mocking me. And guess what? That's not a fun place to be in. Because now I'm on the outside looking in and all these knotheads, you know, are just making fun of me. And they probably didn't mean anything by it. You know, kids are kids. They do what they do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, kids are just kids, you know? And I told you a story about this one classmate I had. He was a little sawed-off outfit, but he had a big brother. And so, you know, he was all cocky, you know, and he's strutting his stuff, and he had a few people that, you know, were kind of his, his crew, you know, walking around with him, and, and he just, he just, tr- he would, he would intimidate people. And here I am, I'm probably, I don't know, I'm not twice his size, but close, and he's giving me a rash of stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, this ain't right, but he is, he is backing me down. Well, finally, one day, thank God, one day. He said something, and I said, you know what, that's it. I just went off. And before I knew it, I had this kid by his shirt and coat and whatever it is up against a wall. Now, I know it doesn't sound very Christian, but I wasn't a Christian then. 
And I told him, I said, if you ever, you know, I threatened him basically. I'll clean your clock and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? I never had a problem with him again. You know, and, and you're going to run into people in your lives, you know, that want to try to bully you, young people, you know, maybe, and even older. But the reality is, hallelujah, you don't have to let them bully you. Why? Because you and the one that's in you is bigger than they are. Did you hear me? You know, all of that nonsense, and now I'm being polite there, but I'm telling you, that, that stuff that they level at you is, is the devil himself trying to suppress and drive you into the ground. And you just got to stand up and you got to say, no, praise God, because I am a child of the living God. And I tell you what, be strong because they'll see it in you and so will the devil. And he'll leave you alone. Are you listening to me? You know, here's the thing. They're the ones that are foolish. They're the ones, and I'm trying to be polite, but they're the idiots. Are you listening to me? Their mouths are filled with lies, so don't believe it, because I'm telling you, you're the workmanship of God in Christ. And you've got to be strong about it, you friends. I mean, you know, the Bible says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Are you listening to me? And we've been sold a bill of goods in Christianity where, you know, well, you know, you just got to be loving, and you got to be so polite, and you got to let people walk all over you. I don't believe that. I said, I don't believe that. I said, I don't believe that. And that's one of the things that drew me to Christianity is when I discovered, praise God, that he wanted me to be an overcomer. Yeah. Are you listening to me? That I could have life and life more. I said, I'm in. Are you with me? So yeah, you may have some battles to fight, but thank God he'll help you to win. Can you say amen? You can be a better mom, a better dad, a better husband, a better wife. Why? Because the greater one's in you. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or think. Why? Because of the power of God that is in you. Let it loose. Hallelujah. Don't let your flesh dominate you. Don't let your goofed up carnal mind dominate you. Let God be the one who's dominating you. Say, well, yeah, it's all their fault. That's a lie of the devil. Stop listening to the devil and start listening to God. Stop blaming everybody else. Am I in the right house? Why am I telling you this? Because I want you to win, man. I didn't, I didn't answer this call so that I could pastor a bunch of losers. Yeah. We win. And like I said, we don't want to get to heaven and find out, man, this could have, my life could have been so much different if I would have just believed the Bible. Are you with me? So when we get to heaven and we have a conversation, you can say, you're right, Pastor. You're right. Hallelujah. Your life can be better where your resources and income are concerned. You don't have to live in poverty and lack. Why? Because we've been redeemed. You know, I just read an article, you know, inflation is going to go wild, you know, and all this and that and the other and whatever, you know, and so all of a sudden people, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen, but I'm telling you what, he's still God and he is our supply. And if he has to increase it, he can do it. Don't think about, you know, just, well, what can I, you know, what can I do with what I got? Praise God. Believe God for an expansion, promotion, advancement, better, increase. Are you listening to me? You know? 
Praise God if it takes more money. If we've got to put $5 gas in our car, then thank God we're going to have $5 money to be able to do it with. Are you with me? You say, well, you can say that. I'm telling you, whosoever will, let him come and drink. All things are possible to him that what? Believes. What do you believe? Well, I believe this, uh, you know, politician, he was blah, 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 blah. Wrong guy to think about. Are you listening to me? You know, the thing is, is when we, when we deal with these things, and Paul talked about this, about, you know, strongholds in our lives. He said, though we walk in the flesh, we're not, we're not worn after the flesh because the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations or reasonings that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bringing, ever ca- or bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Listen, don't let the devil use your brain for a garbage can. Are you listening to me? Am I in the right house? I mean, he wants to do some in, you know, incredible things in our lives, but we got to get our heads screwed on straight. Hallelujah. No, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. But you know, we, we, I've talked about these strongholds. We hear this, the negative side. Well, it's always been this way. You know, I grew up without nothing. I ain't got nothing. I never will have anything. Well, who's telling you that? Last time I checked, you don't hear any kind of message like that out of heaven. Huh? You know, but we've heard the negative side of all these issues for so long that that is all that we can see, or better yet, that's all we can believe. Now, you've got to understand, I mean, when, when the disciples seen Jesus go to that cross and die and hang there and, and pass from this life to the next, that right there is, is, is pretty dramatic in terms of leaving an impression on a person. And even though Jesus had raised people from the dead and Thomas was there and he had seen it, this is the master and he died. So I get the idea that it's hard for him to get his head wrapped around the fact that he was raised from the dead. Yet Jesus told them numerous times that all these things he was going to go suffer and that he would be raised again. But he didn't get the memo. Huh? Thomas somehow... You know, we're kind of that way. There's stuff that God, you know, says, and it, it gets past us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hey, come on. And so it's important for us to understand these things and realize. Now listen, listen. Thank God. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God that negative conditioning can be stopped in your life. It can be silenced, listen, by beginning to believe. Everybody say, I believe. Yeah, I believe. I mean, even if you don't believe, at least start telling yourself, I believe. It's a good place to start, you know? But we can silence these things if we begin to believe and become saturated. Everybody say saturated, huh? With the truth of his gospel. You know, if you've suffered from lack and poverty all your life, dude, you gotta, you got to get down and you got to, I mean, belly up and you got to start studying the Word and running your references and find out what it is that Christ has redeemed you from and what it is that He wants to do in your life and let it grow up on the inside of you to where it becomes so large that it cannot stay in. And pretty soon, glory to God, you're living a different life because of what He promised. Amen. Are you with me? But it takes effort. It takes time. It takes a saturation of the Word of God. Most people today, we can't get them to sit for more than 30 minutes. 
Say, well, we're going to have a meeting. It's going to last a week. My God, a week? What in the world are we going to do for a week? Get saturated. Get soaked. You know, because the thing of it is, you know, it, it's so casual in the church world today. Pastor, come up, give us a little inspiration, three points in a poem, and then we can just say, well, we've been there, done that, and let's move on. We've got something else to do. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm talking about a way of living. And more importantly, I'm talking about a relationship. You want to get some stuff fixed in your life, go talk to Jesus and keep talking to him until you get it. Are you with me? In whatever areas that we're talking about. Well, I got this anger problem. Well, you can fix that. I got this unforgiveness problem. He can fix that. You know, I got this thing going on in my life. He can fix that. I got myself on my hands. <laughs> he can even fix that. Are you listening to me? But it's going to take, you know, an investment, if you want to call it that, you know, of your time, your effort, your devotion, if you want to call it that, in order to see these things turned around. You're only limited by what you believe. That's all there is to it. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then you go without. Okay? I don't believe that. You know, so here's the question. If you're only limited by what you believe, you've got to ask yourself, what, do you, what have I been believing here? Huh? You don't have to answer that right now. You know, there was a situation in the New Testament about a, a young boy, um, child maybe, I don't know what is, it, I don't think that the Bible tells us, but he was possessed of the devil. And the disciples were ministering to him and couldn't get him set free. So he took him to Jesus and asked him, you know, to do something about this condition that was in uh, his child's life. And he explained what it was that was going on in the child's life. And he said, oft times he's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, everybody say believe. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Do you have the New Living Translation? <clears throat> Maybe. This, I love this. You ready for this? Look at this right here. He said, if you can do anything, you know, help, help me. Jesus' response, what do you mean? What? Yeah. What do you mean if I can? Glory to God. I mean, that ought to do something on the inside. What do you mean if I can? Can I change your circumstance? Can I set you free? Can I change your life forever? Can I do exceedingly abundantly above all you can even imagine? I'm telling you that I can. But look what it says. If I can, he said anything is possible if a person will what? Believe. You know, I used that scripture here a while back. You know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That just means you can't have joy and you can't have peace unless you believe. So many people are living in fear. Fear of this, fear of that, fear of the other things. God has not given you the spirit of fear, 
but power, love, and a sound mind. And people will say, well, you've got your head stuck in the sand, dude. Don't you see what it is that's going on? Well, I could recognize what's happening, but I'm telling you that I serve a God that is greater than any of the things that are going on in this world. And I tell you what, praise God, if he's got to make money out of mud, hallelujah, if he's got to do whatever it is he's got to do to change, you know, that kind of goes with your deal. Anyway, he has a business that takes care of mud. Anyway, you know, uh, um, are you with me? He can do it. I'm telling you what, whatever the price of admission was for the service today, it was worth it. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. It's never, everybody say never. It's never a question of what God can do. It's always a question of what it is that you can believe. Well, you know, I've just been held down and these people have done this to me and whatever. Praise God, you can come out of all that. Are you with me? We place limitations on the things God wants to bring to pass in our lives because of our unbelief. So we need to learn that it's never about what we can do, but what it is that God is able to do through us. I know you in and of yourself, you're a piece of work, but thank God he's in you and he can fix stuff. You know, uh, I, I, um, few stories, got time for a few stories? Good, you might as well get your money's worth. You drove here, cost you a bunch of money for gas and whatever, so let's just do this. Moses, fascinating story. Here's a guy who is raised in privilege, but he's also a person of promise and destiny. He doesn't know it. He is floating down the you know, river in a uh, uh, tar-pitched uh, you know, basket and ended up in Pharaoh's court. And so the Bible says that when he became of age, uh, he seen what was going on to his people, Israel, suffering all of the things that they were suffering, and he, he just said, this isn't right. The Bible tells us when, when Stephen was giving his testimony before he was martyred, he made reference to the fact that, that Moses supposed that his brethren would recognize that God, by his hand, was going to deliver them through Moses, but they didn't get it. Missed the memo again. And so what ended up happening, you know, because he killed the Egyptian, and, all, and he decided, I, I need to get out of town here because Pharaoh will kill me. So he runs off. And so he experiences huge disillusionment, you know, failure. You know, he thought, hey, I'm, I'm the greatest thing since sliced cheese. And all of a sudden he realizes, I ain't nothing. You know, trying to do it in his own strength. He runs off and ends up becoming a shepherd dude for his father-in-law for 40 years. Huh? So he's out there minding his own business one day and he has a burning bush experience. The, burn, the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. He says, I got to check this out. He goes over there and God speaks to him. Okay, you there? Stay with me on this, you know. But he's, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt. I've heard of their cry by reason of the taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good land. Everybody say good land. Amen. To a large land. Everybody say large land. Amen. To a land that flows with milk and honey. 
Are you listening to me? See, this is a picture of the church. When you got saved, God said, I'm going to take you to a different land, a different place, so that you can live under and within the blessing of my covenant, hallelujah, and enjoy life and life more abundant that Jesus came to give you. Everybody say, I'm in. You got to be in. Hallelujah. Well, I don't much believe all that. Well, then fine. Stay out. Wander around in the wilderness. I'm telling you what, unbelief is a, is, is a dreadful thing. So anyway, notice he says now in this next verse, verse 10. He says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you might bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And <laughs> Moses said, uh, what? Now, you guys have all done this. God speaks to your heart about something he wants to do in your life, and you go, uh, I don't know about that. Huh? You ever been there? Don't lie to me. Come on. We all have. He says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to make a deliverer out of you. And Moses, now remember, he's went through all kinds of disillusionment. He's been saturated, no, not with the promises of God, but his circumstance, his failure 40 years ago and all of that stuff. And God says, hey, this is a new day for you, Bubba. And he's going, no, 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 you got the wrong guy, you got the wrong guy, got the wrong guy. He, he, he argues this way, he says, who am I? I mean, you know, I, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere taking care of these sheep. And God says, I'll be with you. That's all he said. You know, can't you give me a little bit more? No, he said, I'll just be with you. Sometimes, praise God, when God tells us to do something, we just need to know he's going to be with us. Are you listening to me? And then he goes on and he reasons this way. He says, he said, Moses says, well, what am I going to say? What am I going to tell him? And he said, you tell him that I am sent you. Oh, good. Yeah, if they thought I was thinking nuts, they for sure will, you know, believe it when I say I am has sent me. Huh? You know, sometimes, you know, people will mock you and criticize you because you believe the Word of God, because you believe in Jesus, that you love Him, praise God, that He speaks to your heart, that you say, praise the Lord. <laughs> All of those different kinds of things. He says, who am I going to tell Him sent me? You just tell Him I am sent you. Huh? And then he goes on in this argument, he says, he says but behold, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to me. And, and, and God says, they will when I get done with them. Huh? Read the story. And then he says, you know, he's looking for an out. How many of you ever look for an out? When God wants to lead you into a place of, of wide open pastures and grace and blessing in your life, and you're going, oh, no, 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 you know, yeah, you know. And so he's looking for a way out, and he says, well, listen, listen, I got a speech impediment, and I'm not really very eloquent, and, it, you know, that's probably not going to work very well. And he says, well, all right. He says, I'll send somebody with you. Your big brother. We'll get Aaron. He can be the spokesperson. You know, so he can't. And, and this is what Moses finally said. He said, please send somebody else. You know, there's things that God wants to do in your life. He wants you to experience breakthrough in your life. You're the only one that can walk through the door. You can't send somebody else. But thank God you can go. And we've enjoyed heaven. You know, if we're going to enjoy heaven's best in our lives, we need to see ourselves as God sees us and obey him. How does he see us? I tell you what, you guys, God believes in you as a person. He loves you. He's made you his child. 
He wants to put you over in life. There's nobody more interested in your welfare, your well-being, your, 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 I mean, everything that's about you more than God. And you have to believe that. He considers you as valuable and precious. Whether you believe it or not, I'm telling you what, dude, you are a gem. No matter what anybody else says about it, you are God's favorite child. You say, really? Well, just believe it for a while. Let's see what we can come up with. Hallelujah. He's on your side. He's for you. He's made you more than a conqueror. He sent the Lord Jesus to give you an abundant life. And through the new birth, he's made you a world overcomer. You see that gal that was here uh, last Sunday? You talk about an unsuspecting person. She did not have a good childhood. She never went into the details of it, but her life was a mess. And all of a sudden, God starts doing these things in her life. And now she becomes an executive director of three of these clinics. Now, that didn't just happen. You say, well, how did that happen? I mean, you know. Well, she probably experienced the same thing that Moses did when, when God says, oh, I want you to do this. She goes, I, I don't think I can do that. Yeah, you can. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. And, you know, here's the thing. She's, here's, this is the deal. She said yes. Everybody say yes. yes. She just said Yes. And, and no, she's not all qualified, you know, in the, in the professional sense of what it is that she's doing. But I tell you, she's got passion. She's got fire in her bones, praise God. And she's pushing this thing down the road because of what it is that God has placed within her heart. Yeah. By the way, God bless every one of you. We took up seven and a half thousand bucks for her. Isn't that awesome? Seven and a half thousand dollars. You know, I thought, you know, we had that offering the week before. I thought, well, okay, you know, we'll give her a little something-something. No, dude, you didn't give no something-something. We gave her something big. Amen. And they need the money, so God bless you and thank you for that. So, <clears throat> you know, the plan, the place, the adventure, the destiny that God has for you is always bigger. And I know I'm taking a little bit more time, but that's all right. It's always bigger than you. Bigger than what you can imagine. Praise God. I told you the story about myself. You know, when, when my wife and I were about to starve, I'm doing a lot of praying. Because, you know, when you get hungry, you'll pray. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me. And he says, you sell the siding in, in this story because I work for a siding company. And I said, and this is what I said. I said, I can't do that. And the other thing I remember now and thinking back about it, one of the things that I thought was I came from the Midwest and the houses had siding all, you know, on all sides and, and this and that and the other. When in, in Oklahoma, they build everything out of brick and stone. And so I'm thinking to myself, dude, you can't make no money. I mean, all you got's a gable ends and maybe a little soffit or whatever. But somebody's making money doing it. You know, but, but it, was a, it was a roadblock. It, it, was, it was, you know, I was up against it. And, I, and so I settled for a little bit of money every month. And my wife and I suffered all the whole year. And thank God I couldn't wait till May came so I could go home and get a job. Are you listening to me? But, you know, we made it through. Went back, I think it was the next year, to an alumni banquet. We're down in Tulsa Convention Center. There's, I don't know, 1,100 people of us, you know, that are there. And, and I'm sitting across the, the, the table from a guy who used to be in the mafia in Florida. And he got saved, turned on to the Word, and God called him to preach. 
And so he's telling these stories about, you know, turf fights between him, them, and the Cubans. And I mean, you know, I'm a little guy, a little boy, you know, from uh, southwest Iowa. I don't know nothing about all this. Man, my eyes had to be this big. And he's telling all these stories. And, and then all of a sudden, I just happened to say, well, what'd you do for a living while you're here? And he said, I sold siding. I said, well, I used to be in the siding business. I said, you know, I used to do this and that and the other. And he said, oh, yeah. He says, God blessed us immeasurably. We made four or $5,000 a month. I made $400 a month. And when he kept on talking and never heard another word, because right there in that moment, God came and started talking to me. And he said, see, son, you could have had the same thing if you just obeyed me. I mean, I was a repentant right there. Because my life could have been different, but I said, I can't, you know. I just said, you know, that's not for me or whatever. You know, some limitation, you know, that, that, that we come up with. And I missed it, man. And I suffered because of it. Now, did God want me to suffer? No, praise God. He wanted me to be able to buy the things that my wife needed, buy the things that I needed, be able to have the health care that she needed. She was pregnant with Brian and all those different kinds of things. But instead... You know, we eked out this living, you know, and it was, it was ugly, but it didn't have to be that way. I said it didn't have to be that way. And I'm just telling you, there's not another day that has to go by in your life. If you'll start believing God, I guarantee you, he'll change your world. Many of you, I could have you stand up and testify right now that when you got saved, all of a sudden God turned your captivity and he turned your life around. And many things started to change because of his indwelling presence in your life. Can you testify to that? I mean, there's many of you, praise God, where God has done amazing things in your life. And, and uh, so you got to believe and understand that the, the limitations are what we place on ourselves in terms of what God wants to do. When we started this church, she is, uh, how old are you, 21? And I'm 22. Most people that age don't do those things. I'm a Monday night praying guy on a couch, and God says, I want you to do this. And I said, bad idea. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. There's stuff he spoke to you too, and you said, I don't think that's going to work. Because that's exactly what I said. No, God, you... And here was my reasoning. You know, I just... I knew the biggest reason and the biggest problem I had was social acceptance. Sometimes you've got to get delivered from people. Are you listening? What are they going to think? What are they going to say? This is not going to go over well. And, you know, so I'm arguing all over the place, you know, and different things like that. And uh, finally, I just said, okay, yes, but you're going to have to talk to my wife. Well, evidently, he'd already had some conversations with her because she came come home. She says, I believe it's God. And I said, hallelujah. Thank God I got one person that believes with me, you know, and away we went. And it was an uphill battle, you guys. It wasn't socially acceptable. We had people, I mean, it was like, it was like rats running out of a boat that was sinking, you know. And the thing of it is, is that, you know, people said they're a cult, we got in this building, they said they won't last six months. Well, we're here 40-some years later. Glory to God. Give Jesus a great big round of applause. Amen? They won't last six months. And even the people in the Christian community, you know, uh, they shunned us. You know, you can get shunned by Christians. 
Why? Because we speak with other tongues and believe in miracles. Huh? Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you get down, you're going down this road, it gets real narrow and real lean and, you know, whatever. But thank God, on that day, January the 7th of 1979, 34 people showed up and said, I don't care what the world says, let's worship God. And away we went. Huh? We came up here, you know, in the building that the youth have right now. I don't know, there's 50 of us. You know, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe a few more than that. But a small group of people. I remember when we had that building, there's 9,000 square foot in it. We thought, we'll never use all this building. Probably going to have to find, see if we can find somebody to rent the backside of it out. You know, I mean, small, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can even ask or think, according to the power of God that works within you. Well, sure enough, pretty soon we're using the whole thing. And then it's not big enough, and we need another building, so we build a companion to it. And then 20 years ago, we started, we built this, this building here, this auditorium in the foyer. And I remember when we did that, you know, again, we're talking about uphill battles and dealing with stuff. You know, it doesn't sound like a big deal right now, but it was going to be a million and a half dollars to build this building. Now, I don't know what it would cost now. I have no idea. You got an idea? How much? Well, I don't know. Don't ask me those questions. Uh, 25, 6,000? 10 million. Well, it might as well have been 10 million 20 years ago. You know, but we, we believed that God wanted to do something significant. Listen, remember, He's able. Everybody say, He is able. Yeah, he's able. And so we sat down and we came up with a strategy, and I, I don't have time to get into all of this. You need a strategy for whatever it is that you feel like God's doing. You know, you can't sit around and say, well, you know, God's just going to pour it out. I heard the preacher last Sunday. I mean, he was wound up. Glory to God. It was a big deal, you know. Wah, 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 wah. But, so how are you going to get there? So we decided that we could borrow 600000 we could raise 600000 and we had 400000 in the bank, and that was going to get us to wherever. Well, when the architects got all done with their deal, they said, well, it's going to cost you $2.1 million. I said, no, it's not. And they said, well, you're not going to build it. I said, yes, we are. You know? And, and then pretty soon they came back and they said, actually, it's probably going to be more like $2.3, maybe $2.4 million. I said, no, it's not. It's going to cost a million and a half dollars. Why? Because that's what we had. That's what we were believing for. That's what we knew we could do. Are you with me? And they said, well, you'll never do that. I said, well, all right. So we had this building right here re-engineered and saved $400,000 because they had all these rooftop mounted, you know, air conditioning systems and all this kind of stuff. So they had all this, you know, it was all beefed up. But we had somebody else re-engineer the building. We put everything on the ground and away we go. These, these fixtures up here, you know, when I can't remember, I want to say they had a price tag on them for like $96 because they were going to put a, a fluorescent fixture in there with three different bulbs so that we could um, dim them, you know. And, and I don't remember, I think they were 90, you know, count them, 100 bucks a piece. You know, and, and so what did we do? We went back and said, you know what? We could probably use incandescent, do the same thing. And we bought them for like $15. Y you with me? So, you know, the thing is, is there's a lot of times when, you know, people say, well, you can't do that. You want, yeah, you can. You just got to keep pushing and find a way. 
so that God can bring blessing into your life. Are you listening to me? Now, like I said, you know, a million and a half dollars back then, I mean, uh, <laughs> I remember this one guy, you know, they started putting up the steel. I mean, we, we poured all the concrete. And they started, I said, my God, what, what in the world? Are, I mean, how, how big is that thing, you know? And I mean, it's just beyond their imagination. I said, man, man, we're building a church for the kingdom of God. I remember the architect one time, you know, uh, Jerry Van Zant was an associate pastor at the time. He said, well, he says, you know, what? We wanted this 600-seat sanctuary. He says, well, what do you think? You know, we're out in the weeds. He's from Omaha. He didn't have a clue, you know. And, and he says, well, what do you think you're like, you know, what's, what's the, the most people that you uh, might end up having here? And, and Jerry's sitting there and not even, without even blinking, he just said, it's unlimited. And so the architect's going, oh, wow, we're working with a fruitcake. <laughs> but we built it. And even the architects were giving us a bad time, and we finally got rid of them. Now, if you're an architect, I'm not saying that's you. I'm just saying that, that they were pushing against us. They didn't know how we do church. We know how we do church. And so we wanted things designed in a certain way, and they're pushing back on all this stuff, and a lot of it's just costing us more money. No, don't, we, dude, we don't need that. This is what we need. And finally, when we got a working set of drawings, we fired them. Paid them off and said, adios, amigo. And we, we went about, see, I'm saying that there are things that you can do. If God's put something in your heart, dear friend, praise God, you can storm hell with a squirt gun if you have to, or grab a stock of corn, swing out over the devil and spit in his eye. Are you listening to me? All things, say it with me, are possible to him that believes. I'm a believer, not a doubter. And I thank you, Lord. For the plan you have, my life is blessed because of you, and I thank you for it. you got to stand up now or I won't stop. And my son is up. Hallelujah. I asked him one time, I said, how long have I been preaching? He goes, meh, about a, an hour and 16 minutes. I said, no way. He goes, yeah. So Aaron, where's Aaron at? Yeah, he's in the back, doing what he does. He says, yeah, Pastor, here's one, minute 13, or an hour 13, hour 16. I can't help it, man. I'm not, well, I can, but I don't want to. Okay, is that all right? I've got to get this stuff shoveled off. Why? So we can put something on the inside of you, and you'll believe the Word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your grace in our lives. And I thank you, Father God, that you have called us to take the limitations off our lives to enjoy everything that you have for us. God, I pray that this stirs something within people's hearts, that they'll say, let's believe. Praise God. Let's, let's start believing the Word of God. Let's, let's make a move here towards whatever it is that's in their hearts. And I thank you, Father God, for bringing to pass and fulfilling all of the desires and the dreams, well, beyond their imaginations, Father. I thank you for your incredible grace because, Father, you're the one that has brought us into this present hour. And I know, Father, that there are things that you desire to do in these last days through the local church, through these, your people, Father God, to bless their lives and bless the people around them. 
So, Father, help us to say yes when you call. Help us, Father God, to see your heart and follow that. And I just thank you, Father, for your amazing, amazing grace in every person's life that's within this church, those that are watching online. God, may they, they come behind in, in nothing that they need. And I just thank you, Father, for your blessing. Hallelujah. Let's just wait a moment while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Thank you, Jesus. It may be by chance that you're here this morning and you have never come to a place of making a a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. And I understand that, dear friend. I mean, so many of us have had to walk down that path as well because of what we didn't know. But I'm just telling you, Jesus came a little over 2,000 years ago and he gave his life so that we could live, so that you could live. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And what I mean by that is that we recognize that he is the only one who could have died for our sins and that through repentance we can come to know him and he will change us from the inside out. So while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you're here this morning, you've never made a decision to say, you know what, I know I need him. And you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look in this congregation of people? You're without him. There's one. Okay. Okay. Praise God. Anybody else? Number two. Okay, good. Anyone else? You know, I mentioned this in my message, but the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. It's now, you guys. You, you know, it's a, it's a chance for an incredibly new start. And I just want to exhort you and encourage you in any way that I can. Anyone else before we pray? Hallelujah. Well, all right, church, as a group and as a congregation, Let's help these people find their new relationship with Christ. We're going to pray a prayer. Those of you that raised your hand, maybe even those that, you know, you probably should have raised your hand but didn't, if you'll pray this prayer that we're about to pray out loud, loud enough for you to hear yourself, pray it. And let it come right out of your heart. Mean business with God. He will meet you right where you are, and he'll change your life forever. Let's pray together. Would you say this with me? Dear Heavenly Father. I come to you today, and I recognize that Jesus is Lord. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. And Father, I thank you for your grace toward me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You can all look up here. If you prayed that prayer, and a little later we're going to be dismissed and things, we'd really like to put some material into your hand to help you get started in your walk with him. So I know you've got an option when we dismiss, you can go out the doors, or you could come down front where I'm at, and some of the folks that help us here that that serve within the church would just love to put some stuff in your hand and help you get started on your walk. So I'll try to remind you of that a little bit later. But for, time, for, uh, for now, you, go, you may go ahead and be seated. 
And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, when Jesus went to the cross prior to his going, he said, it is with desire that I've desired to have the supper with you before I suffer. And he chose two things that were on the table, bread and wine, to represent his body and his blood that was about to be sacrificed for them. Well, he told them, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. And he's coming again. Hallelujah. So each time we come to this table, we come as a memorial in remembrance of what Jesus accomplished for us. And it is, it is celebratory because, thank God, we're free because of him. But he gave his life. He laid down his life so that we could live. So we're so blessed to be able to participate in this table. So we're going to, if you have your things, you can open them up. Is there anyone you don't have a communion uh, thing and you need one? We'd be happy to serve you with that. Would you bow your heads with me, everyone? Oh, Father, we're so grateful. Grateful to you for your grace. Praise God, your mercy, your forgiveness that you provide us, your love, Father God, that is unconditional and unfailing. And so as we come to this table today, we do so, Father, with grateful hearts. Thank you for your blessing in our lives and thank you for what it is you did through Jesus. He was willing to give his back to the smiters so that by his stripes we could enjoy health and healing. And Father, as we partake of this bread today, we do so recognizing what it is he did for us. And Father, we thank you so much for it in Jesus' name. You may partake of the bread. And Father, we come to this table again thanking you for this cup that we hold in our hand because you said that without the shedding of blood there could be no remission of sin. But Jesus made it possible, Father God, for our sins not, not just to be covered, but to be washed away. And there's no greater grace in all of our lives than to no longer have to live with a sin conscience. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may partake of the cup.